This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know. Yo. What is poppin' everybody? And welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Where you know, we're here with somebody who won six figures on stream for the first time in a very long time. Let's pop it. You? I was wondering what, uh, where, where the hell your energy was. You were just saving <laughs> it up for that one moment. What happened? Did you miss your cue there by about 10 seconds? Yeah, I was looking down at my screen. <laughs> one job, Conrad. One fucking job. Literally one. You know, sometimes uh, shit happens. You can't win on stream, can you, Burke? Huh? Can't win on stream. That's what they say, Brian. Yeah. You know, then they brought me this juicy lineup full mm. of poker internet stars and celebrities. And, you know, the kid did it. He did he it. He got he, out there and he, yep. he made some hands. Yeah. It's nice to no make hands. No bluffing for me. No bluffing. <laughs> Didn't need to. Did you guys play the Jack 4 7 Deuce game? Anything like that? Nope. No. The only That's person why. I bluffed all day was Ishan because he's good. So I just See, would bluff him a bunch. They didn't give you a reason to punt it off. Ah, oh, there was a lot of reasons. We played <laughs> Those are reasons. They didn't give you more, more than necessary then, I guess. Well, I'm trying to think if I, if I was running any bluffs. Uh, I mean, we, we could talk about some hands as we, as we dive down the rabbit hole a little bit later. Before we get to that, there's more important things going on in the world than me having another <sighs> victory on TV. Um, <laughs> you know, just show up to work with your lunch pal every day and good things are going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into the shits, uh, we have a new course out today. The one and only Thinking Poker, Andrew Brokus, has a five-part series coming to you on Solve for Y TV called Splitting Ranges. There are five episodes. The first is the introduction to range splitting. The second is slow playing. Third is bluffing and floating. Fourth is barreling the turn. And five is sea betting from out of position. All of those are currently available on our site. If you're not already a member, head over to solveforwide.io. Be sure that you sign up and check it out. You get a two-week free trial. I love Brokus's courses. Um... It's kind of one of those things where since he's not like really in-house, we're not talking shop with him all the time. I look forward to when these courses come out because I kind of get to learn from him uh, in a way that, you know, is a lot more condensed than if, say, he and I were having a conversation and just like shooting the shit about what's been going on lately and how we like to approach these spots. It's nice to be able to get inside the mind of somebody who I have a lot of respect for. Yeah, same. I'm I'm excited for uh, for this course. Um, his other courses, yeah, they're great. Toy games is great. Betting lines. I just actually went back through betting lines um, last week, and it's it's really great. So, yeah, he's uh, he's putting a nice little catalog together on Software Y TV, and uh, right. you know, you should check it out. Wow, how on earth the one day Zamani shows up, uh, Conrad misses his cue, and, he's <laughs> <laughs> and Zamani gets the right there. Are you? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> uh, man, Guap, is it is it possible for you to to zoom out on me a little bit? 
I feel like I'm right inside of you. <laughs> oh, wow. Let me see what I can do. Maybe All that's right. right where he wants you. I mean, I, 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 uh, I'm as max zoomed out as possible on my camera, but like, you know, I'm getting a lot of this right here. That's <laughs> um, all right. But the people Triton's are here for going on. No, it's not. Triton's <laughs> going on. They got some shit going down. Their first uh, event ended today, the 25K, 900,000 plus up top. There we go. Look at that. Look at this beautiful bicycle room I'm in. You mm -hmm. know, I'm not really showing off the background to the to the fullest, but uh, the, these this, this pastel poke or uh, purple and yellow scheme is very A plus. <laughs> High quality rooms here. Um, <laughs> before we get to the results of the 25k, though, I want to shine a light on this new technology that uh, Triton has introduced. It's very similar to what PokerStars is doing at the EPTs. Uh, the difference is that. <laughs> Triton is doing it in a way that, uh, uh, don't get me wrong, they're employing a lot of people, which, hey, kudos for for creating jobs. Great Man. great on you, Triton. But they literally have a person standing behind every fucking table tracking the action of every single hand that's played in the event. It's pretty fucking so, That's amazing. This is like what Tortoise does for the academies. Only, <laughs> only they're doing it over like 20 tables. Um, which is actually awesome. So I said that this is I, I said that this is uh similar to what PokerStars EPT is doing, but really they're a little bit more limited in their scope. So they've automated all of the table changes, they've automated uh seat draws and like all this other stuff. That's all being done now with an app. And uh it's very easy to track and follow. But th this is for the reporting side. So you can actually get tangible hand histories. From the event, as you see scrolling here, uh, very similar to what you would see in like a GG poker hand history, which is really incredible. Um, long time coming for what it's worth. How do this the players is, feel about this? Uh, good question. Do you think they care? <clears throat> I think that it's kind of a plus because some people, when they play on feature tables, all of their whole cards are shown. Mm -hmm. So now having it levels access the and a bit. information to all of the people that are playing, there's <clears throat> none of that, oh man, I'm on the feature table, they can see my whole cards yeah. type shit. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think, I think that's a very valid point. Go ahead, Connor. No, I was just saying, you can't see the whole cards on the outside tables, but you see, just see, like, play down action. It's not like... Right, but his point... His point is now this will expose everybody's hand histories instead of just the people who yeah. are on the feature table. Yeah, the feature table, fair. you're still getting a little bit more information as you can see the whole cards, and sometimes you can't the other way, but yeah. Yeah, I kind of I feel mean, bad uh, for the people that have to stand that whole time. I thought the same thing. I, was like, <laughs> I thought the I mean, same thing. Like, you just stand there for to hours. sit down and play yeah. a tournament for, you know, 10 to 12 hours, but to have to stand up and follow the action is kind of brutal. They probably rotate, right? I would hope so. They just like knows how to do it. They're smart. That's pretty cool. I like yeah. it. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. I, I think from a player standpoint, it's it's a net positive. Um, and also from an ecosystem standpoint, I know this is a bit of a reach, but uh, I think it's a net positive in the sense that there's no more lying to your backer. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to tell a story, and I, oh, I don't want to call poor Brandon. Like, uh, I'm not upset about it. <laughs> Uh, it, it was a long time ago and I completely understand it. He's moved on to bigger and better things and, you know, God bless him. But uh, I was backing my friend Brandon. This must have been, what, 2013, 2014, something like that, mm -hmm. Lamina? Yeah, I think okay, so. Okay, so, 
Yeah, I was backing him and Brian still at the time. Uh, it might even have been earlier. But anyway, I put them both into the main event. And Brandon was like three tables away from me. And Will the Thrill was at his table. And uh, we were going on like second break of day one. I think uh, I had like accumulated a bunch of chips. And he was he was above starting. He, he had like maybe 60 or 70K. I think starting back then was like 40 or 50. Um, and we had, you know, just met on break. Uh, the previous break, everything was going well. We meet on break again this time, and we're like walking back to uh, the former Labada room at, at Rio to meet our friend Danielle. And he's telling me this story about how he got crippled and how he only has like 20 bigs left. I'm like, okay. And it was like the weirdest hand history in the world where he like limped under the gun with Queens. It was like three bet back to him. He cold called. It came queen high. They got in all the money, and the guy had like aces, and then ripped an ace off on the turn. I'm <laughs> like, man, that seems seems really unlucky, but also highly suspicious at the way you played this hand. Yeah, but uh, okay, yeah, it's like you know, top set versus aces, where you get cooled off, and he he rips off an ace, like that shit happens. So he busts very shortly thereafter, and I see Will's at his table and a couple other people I know, and I just happened to bump into him, and I was like. I was like, oh, man. Uh, first of all, oh, man, this is even more notable. Jesus Christ, I totally forgot about this. So the other layer to this story is uh, at the time, there was a guy in the main event who was playing it as his last dying wish. Uh, he had been put in by like Pocket Fives or or one of the, the news uh, outlets. They had put him in. Maybe it was like Card Player or Poker News. I don't recall. But they had put him in as his last dying wish. He was, he was dying of cancer. And uh, he was at Brandon's table. So I like walked by and I was like, oh, I heard you guys got my boy. And he goes, who was your boy? I go, you know, the, the, the kid with the scar on his face. He goes, oh, oh, he got himself. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he points to the guy in the one seat who is this amateur who's been put into the event as his last dying wish. And he goes, he rocketed off all his money with Queens preflop to this guy. And like, you know, you could like see the guy was very nervous and like wasn't going to put in chips without aces, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. wait, what? He told me that they, it all got in post. He goes, no, nah, he put in like six bets pre with queens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, that's a way fucking different story. Probably could have found a call there somewhere. But the post swap apparently was true. Uh, although I don't recall if it came like ace queen high or if it came queen high turn ace. Uh, but he did ultimately end up getting set over set. Just all the money went in when he was dead. Yeah. Well, you know, some. I mean, maybe you just have to, you know, fudge that a little bit. Like, uh, when he went in post, you know, hey. You know, it it was the way. Either way, Berkey was gonna get cooler. He might as well just (laughs) save some face. (laughs) It was. It was the way that he fudged it in order Mm -hmm. to make the preflop make sense. Mm -hmm. That immediately took me to a place of I've done this before. I know what you're doing right now. (laughs) Like, right. You know, my first five or six years of of playing. there's a lot of ego that you're dealing with. And uh, when I would play a hand poorly, but I wanted like objective feedback from the group as far as like, okay, what? Well, <laughs> let's say I didn't play this hand that way, but I had a different hand. How would you guys play it? I would manufacture action in order to get like this hypothetical feedback for a scenario that didn't fucking matter. You right. I mean? You, you all- conjured the situation to get what you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It, it was all copium. Right. So as he's like going down this rabbit hole of like, you know, uh, 
like getting limp raised from the big block. I don't know. Whatever nonsense he came up with, I was just like, nah, man, I can spot that a mile away. Like this, you, you're making this up as we go. And if I ask you to repeat this again, you're going to get something wrong. <laughs> that, that, that was me once. It's funny because now like in the, the, the world of all the technology we live in now, now most people like they film their hands, you know, they feel like, the, like when they're all in. So, I mean, I guess, I guess maybe you wouldn't get the, the, uh, the previous action, but that's how I feel. I'm like, I'm like, should I be filming this? Cause like, I'll like post on Instagram or I'll say like my bust out hand. I'm like, I wonder if people think I'm lying. Like, the answer is I'm no, like, you should not be filming it. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, like, I wonder if people think I'm lying. Like when I busted the mystery bounty, like I, I got it in with bottom set versus top pair and an open ender. And then he just rivered me. But like, I was just like, ah, it just sounds like, you know, I could see how people would be like, nah, that really didn't actually happen. Nah, it doesn't yeah. really matter, right? The only person that matters that knows and should well, people care buy about pieces it of me and stuff you. like that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, like, if they buy right. a piece, they trust that you're not going to lie to them. Of course, right? of course, I know. So I, yeah, but I understand. I, I think Brian's point's valid. Like showing hard receipts is always good practice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah. like what I'm speaking to more is uh, when you're early in your poker journey, you really have no comprehension of variance. Uh, I mean, 20 years in, I'm just starting to understand it. Uh, you know the, right. the smallest minutia like that's why i don't sweat it whenever people are like oh you never went on stream it's like bro you're looking at like literally the dustiest sample of all time like we're gonna get there don't worry uh but when you're first starting that journey you really truly don't understand variance you repeat it as a buzzword and you say luck is for losers and like you know over the long term yada 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 and all that bullshit that you're fed by people who have been around a lot longer that do understand variance but the fact of the matter is you not i shouldn't say this in a general sense because it, it's probably a lot less true of landon's generation than of ours but we were playing on a on a very emotional landscape right it was very ego based and a lot of what was going on there was uh you know our our, our mood was dependent upon the outcome as well as our livelihood and everything else like we were just riding the dragon and mm -hmm. ultimately i think what comes from that is uh this this almost sense of being a victim right like you almost develop this like inner victimhood of when negative variance occurs you want to exaggerate it to the degree where it's almost unbelievable right right like the i lost quads to a straight flush and this just keeps happening to me and mm -hmm. only to me yeah kind of thing so well, it's the main event it's the biggest event of the year like you don't want to just bust in some sort of standard fashion at least not back then right you know it has to be like quads over quads in a in a limp race <laughs> yep. it has to be a casino royale type uh type hand right 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah and like i i truly think that you know from 2003 to 2013 maybe even longer 2015 whatever that was just commonplace mm -hmm. like there probably wasn't a single fucking accurate hand history told over the better part of a decade right yeah, <clears throat> I mean, speaking for my generation, at least from the online standpoint, it's actually the inverse where you have to curb the sim ego, if you will, where you play a hand based off of theory and say, oh, yeah, like theory says this is good. But then you have to have the hard conversation of, yeah, but is it actually good practically? Mm -hmm. And you're coming from that sort of standpoint rather than just looking at the machine based stuff, especially in software field life. See, you're not a slave to the sim. No, apparently to everyone. I'm 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 cat jamming the ace four ace five. Don't worry about it. Deuces too. Yeah, ace four ace five. Deuces three ace fours. And the variances. And five. I mean, yeah, the variances. You know, like especially in like small sample sizes. Um, 
like uh, Nick Petrangelo, he final tabled this Triton event. This is his first cash in a Triton event. What? Yeah, what? It's his first That's- cash in a Triton event since like going See, back to like, like 2019 like- or 18 or whatever it was. Yeah, hearing stuff like that is like as shocking as like finding out that Brewer just had his first near million dollar score in uh, <laughs> in Paris. This mm-hmm. might even it's be more like, shocking. Uh, no, I don't think so because of the volume comparison. Like, there aren't that many Tritons. There aren't that many. Like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's thinking played, it like, yeah, he's probably played a bunch of them. <laughs> he's played what fifty to seventy five Triton events. I don't know if there's been that many. Man. Maybe not that many, but he's like, probably, oh, but he's played 25. Probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure yeah. if it comes to just like bullets in general, right, it's over probably 30. Yeah. So it's definitely one of those kind of shocking things. Right. Yeah. A shot to Chris for final table in 25K. Wow. Year of Brewer, baby. He's back. Yeah. The heater is real. Uh, we could talk about that final table a little bit right now. So it was an eight handed final table, uh, which. Hold on a second. There we go. Uh, so eight-handed final table, the finalists were uh, Seth Davies, Chris Brewer, Nick Petrangelo, Michael Soiza, and Jonathan Jaffe, all coming out of the United States. So five USA, baby. Representing. Uh, Sosia Jiang, uh, she's Australian, been around the high roller scene for quite some time. She made it. Um, Landon's friend, Roman. Which uh, also, uh, to be fair, Landon, when you tell me that one of your friends has done well in a high roller, it's like, well, you're kind of just friends with everyone. <laughs> no, so, you know, like, I've, I've lowered my, I've lowered, or I've increased the barrier of, of saying friend. Roman, Roman, Roman sick, uh, Roman Harabic second for a 650 or so. You know what Landon said to me qual- today? Landon qualifies the- friendship on how good they are at poker. No, <laughs> exactly. And That's also, not even true. Also, he's Don't like, this. man, I, I should have I really f- hope so because he considers me a friend, I think. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, friend. You're my only friend. <laughs> he's like, yo, I should have went to Triton. I could have yeah, got the swap in. Definitely. I could have got the swap. He 100% would have got, got that swap. I got the swap in. One day I'll win. Oh, I'm going to win when no one wants to swap with me anymore. That's the, pl- yeah. that's the, uh, yep, that's the then, plan. Then you bank it. Yep. That's that's the lifelong plan there. Uh, and then finally, the last player at the final table was Lim Webster, who ultimately was victorious. He beat Roman heads up for nine hundred and sixty-five thousand. Pretty big pay jump. I think second was what six eighty-five ish, something like uh, that. Like six thirty-five, six fifty, something like that. Yeah, they're like they're, they're in there banging, man. They're they're banging it out. Um, today is, I guess, day two. I'm not sure what event is uh, going on. I didn't fifteen k, fifteen k. Oh, okay. That's actually great. Uh, it's good to see more of those. We were just talking about that yesterday, how uh, a slightly lower barrier of entry could potentially grow these fields, especially with uh, a lot of satellite winners there. I know mm-hmm. Nagy sent a few people where he just gave them 100K and said, like, play whatever you want to play, uh, and then I'll take half kind of thing, or up to half. Um, yeah, this 10K, 15K barrier of entry, it's still a big buy-in for most people, but it's low enough where you can dip your toes into the high roller scene. Like, I'm not good at MTTs, and I would even consider playing some buy-ins at that level, especially if I traveled all the way to Triton. Yeah. Yeah, ACR also had some satellites running on their site. It was like a high-stakes Vietnam package. I saw that. It was a 100K package, right? Yeah, there was like 2650s on the site. And they had a lot of satellites to get into that. What a beautiful package to win. (laughs) Pretty sick. I mean, it's kind of cool to see satellites, um, (laughs) online satellites, come back to, like, bigger events, Mm -hmm. especially something like this, like 100K. Mm -hmm. That's, like, that's pretty dope. I wanted to I wanted to 
win the ACR satellite. I didn't even try, but oh, so I, you didn't even play it, probably. <laughs> no, I, I've I've played on ACR like one time ever, but I wish I would have just so that Nagy would have had to like personally send me there. <laughs> and then I could like, like hit him up and be like, uh, you know, I don't even want. How about you take half my action? <laughs> uh, it would have been, and then I like make him all the money, and that's yep. that's that's the beginning of a of a budding friendship. Yep, you guys yeah, are best you friends. You gotta Phil have lucky money friends now. Listen, when people meet me, they 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 like me. Quick. I know. I saw. That. I was like, you and Phil are like best friends. He's tweet. He's tweeting at you, congratulating you on your win. <laughs> I mean, he had, to, he had to put in all of his wins first before he got to you, but, yeah. but, he, but he did congratulate you. Was, you guys are like old pals, yeah. It's nice. We're, to we're see. going on tour. We're going to start traveling the world. You're going to find us in fucking Choctaw and some other yeah, podunk are, towns. Are you guys going to go just, on the moneymaker tour together? Yeah, we're going to be grinding 50, 100 everywhere you see, man. I'm going to be ripping off these 100K scores, and he's going to tell me how he's just going to get me in a 500K pot with his 13,000 oh, in front yeah. of him. It's going to happen. Uh, Mr. Helmuth. You tried to steal my name last night. You called yourself the tortoise. What? He did. He did. He did. He goes. He goes. You know, Berkey. We're like, uh, like the, the tortoise in the hair. Yeah, I think. We have a clip. You have a clip uh, up. I'm working on it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Clip. That is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He says we're like the tortoise in the hair, and uh, and Berkey goes. I'm guessing I'm the hair in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> wow, unbelievable. Fast as fuck, baby. Let's go. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. And then, then, uh, and then Jaffe gave me a shout out, which was nice. Shout out to Turtle. Yep. No, he, he got it right. He'll never, he'll never get it wrong again. I know, it's so good. I like Turtle too. Turtle. I did watch back the the first broadcast, and there was just a random point where I was like watching a hand. He goes, he said something about only friends, and then he goes. And uh, big shout out to the tortoise. I called him the turtle once, but like never again. The disrespect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was trying to recruit you to go to Houston. What happened there? Berkey's winning all the money. Look at this. Maybe I don't know. Are you gonna crack a smile? The, the, the bigger backstory. Smile. Uh, <laughs> what was really and we got was one of the best Phil players in the world, Phil Johnny fucking Cam, in the house um, ever. And yeah, you know, and uh, along with little old me, owner of champions. And uh, were you guys with us when we went on that Houston trip? It was not. Landon was. That was not. Houston trip. That, I don't know about Houston, but I know about Austin. No. When we went to... No, no, no. When we went to Champions... Uh, I was they, not there, no. It was just me? For real? Yeah. yeah I when you so. played that cash game stream? Yeah. Um, it was like a big event that they were doing. We got paid to go and play. Um, and then there was a big cash game stream where it was like me, Elias Perkins, uh, and a few others. Uh, anyway, that happened, I think, right after the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Isaac is like the the main guy who, I guess, is in the day to day type of stuff. He and I have have remained like in contact for a long time. Uh, he loves. Like what we do at Salt for Why. I'm a big fan of their vision over at Champions. And uh yeah, we've just always like found some sort of synergy there. Like I could see a world where uh we work together. Uh Roy is is the the main guy who uh owns and operates, and he's also the guy who owns and operates 
I guess they refer to it as the corporation. I only ever knew the corporation to be uh, the people who played against Andy Beal. But anyway, <laughs> in California, the way that they get around the the gaming laws is that um, somebody has to, I guess, be the banker in like Pygal and whatnot. And he just runs a third party company that does that. So they come into like commerce, the bike, all these other places, and they just serve as the bank in the table games. And they're obviously just printing, uh, you know, whatever the edge is, maybe one, 2% on uh, uh, being the house. Um, and then I think that they pay like a fee, a table fee uh, to the actual casino itself. I- I'm not really sure how it all runs and operates but that's what roy is the head of and that's what helmuth was like boasting about he's like yeah i just had a 90 minute long call with roy like we're about to open champions back up in houston uh so the long and short of it is champions was supposed to open in dallas texas and there was red tape that they weren't able to get through at the same time we were actually this is all before doug bought the lodge we were actually going to uh partner with um palms Hard house in Austin because they had a fast track to Dallas as well. And uh, our partnership was going to be contingent upon that. We were going to open a room in Dallas. It just seemed like, you know, a virgin market that was ripe for the picking. That got um, shut down basically by all the legislation. Only TCH text or uh, Dallas was able to maintain operations. And we all know the, the red tape that they've been trying to fight through to stay open since then. So we ended up pulling out of Palms. Um, champions ended up not getting to open in Dallas in spite of owning the property and being all set up. And at the same time, they didn't like their location in Houston. So they kind of just shut that down, uh, in the, in the intermediate time until they could get their ducks in a row. So I guess what Phil was speaking to yesterday was they're finally in a situation where they're planning on reopening. Uh, it sounds like their Houston location is going to be first. And then they have plans to expand into, I would imagine Dallas, uh, maybe, San Antonio and Austin, I'm not sure. Um, but I know that I know what's going on behind the scenes there very well. I love the vision that they have in place. Uh, and I know that they want to be a big player in the live streaming world. So what Helmuth was talking about was they want somebody to do like Brent's job. And he thought of me, but I don't think I'm qualified at all to do that job. If I were, I'd be running a private game in vegas or somewhere else right um also i don't want to move to who's move to houston uh i'm just you know it's like uh i'm actually shocked that brent is very good at what he does and maybe it's because <laughs> no, no 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 this isn't this is a compliment to brent I know, I, it's the way you phrased I, it, it i'm very i'm very shocked he's so good at, at organizing games because i think in order to organize games you actually have to uh compromise a lot of your own uh ethics isn't the right word but like i i guess uh maybe pride or ego or or basically you have to pander so hard to the people that the Mm -hmm. game run around right and you have to you have to jump through so many hoops and uh almost less so for brent because he's operating for a major company like poker go where they just want to be in the studio but more so for like the private games. So like the guys who are running the game in Bellagio or the game that runs in Ivy's room, like you have to do so much stuff that I would be unwilling to do uh, when it comes to catering to the VIPs that 
personally, like I could just never be a good game host. Yeah, but uh, like, Brett, he's so you know he's so personable, so likable. I think I think a lot of that just comes natural to him. He also just doesn't have to jump through the hoops, right? Like right. he doesn't have to go take them to the club and right. dust fifty k yeah. on on <laughs> bottles and girls, right. right? But like you know, the the more notable game runners out there are willing to do that type of stuff, mm-hmm. and it's just like I don't have it in me, man. It's like I just want to gamble. And like I will gamble with you all day long and uh, facilitate. Also, like in the private sector, you know you have to be able to loan and facilitate and keep these games afloat. Right. Whereas, like in Brent's scenario, you never have to do that. You know, mm-hmm. same thing with like Wayne or Ryan. Like they're hands off. They don't have anything to do with the money factor. They don't have to loan. They don't have to worry about keeping people afloat. Yeah, it's um, not like Molly in Molly's game where she's got like three million out on the street. <laughs> that's that's exactly what the private games look like right though. yeah yeah that's right, what every like, private that's, game looks like just mm-hmm. about <laughs> yeah so i guess like maybe it is a little bit different when we're comparing like doing that job at champions versus me starting a game in vegas uh you like like the champions job i guess comes with a lot more uh leeway to just be authentic uh the problem is is that it makes your job a whole fucking hell of a lot harder <laughs> Yeah, for you know, sure. it's like you, you don't have anything to offer. It's it's a lot more difficult to just get guys in there who want to splash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the Lodge is seeing that, right? Like those games were great. They were really fucking fun to watch and entertaining. But, uh, you know, by the last day, the game was getting relatively tough. E- even the day before, it's like, you know, it's five or six professionals and then Perkins, who's no slouch, uh, Keyboard Monkey, who's no slouch. Like the, these games are competitive. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to find clientele for such high stakes I want to play on stream. It's yeah. the stream part, I think. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. Because it's not hard to... It's it's not hard to find people that want to play high stakes. It's hard to... Uh, it's hard to get them to play exclusively with you. Like if you're a game runner, right? <clears throat> there, there's so much, there's so much infighting over the same small liquidity pool. It's like and always, everybody. Sorry, always the best private games always has like one or two players that show up every single time, mm-hmm. and they're just whatever infinitely rolled or something along those lines, and that's what makes yeah. Every, big... Everybody picks a side, and then they just leverage the fact that they know the game runs around them, mm-hmm. right? So it's like. You know, uh, Persons and Keating are aligned together, and uh, you know maybe Hicks plays in that group and uh, a few others, right? And then it's like this whole other group in Bobby's room. It's like they're not allowed to cross pollute, otherwise they start losing favor, right? So like none of them ever play each other's games, and like when they do, then there's this hard uh, attempt to poach by the game runner himself like oh well what are they offering you well we can offer you this kind of thing and like it's even it's even more fierce in the online app streets um but you know that's that's a totally different arena because everybody's just getting scalped through the rake there um live poker is a lot different where it's just like you're trying to just pull liquidity into your game and keep it there for some period of time and like the bellagio has gotten really fucking bad i actually heard recently that um the 10 20 40 games leaving which it's been a staple of that room since it opened leaving leaving uh, where to where? go to the win really 
Yeah, what's that going to do to the five ten game at the win? Um, because that. I mean, yeah. the five ten game uh, usually runs like a ten twenty game there, right? Yeah. So maybe maybe they'll put a cap on the five ten and then just. I I don't uh, think so. That's just like never been the win policy. Yeah, uh, I highly doubt they would do that. Right. The five ten will probably just move. It'll just play smaller. Or it will go to Bellagio or whatever. Because like the fifty mm-hmm. hundred guys or the hundred 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 two hundred whatever, like uh, Simon and and Chris and those guys that are running the Bobby Room game, they can't poach from five ten. Yeah. Um. But the rumor is that they've just been like hardcore poaching from the ten twenty forty. Oh, yeah, I which hit, which I think had been happening for a long time anyway, but I think that they're actually just getting uh, assisted by people like on property now, um, and so the game's just gonna like, which is smart. Like the regs need to understand that they have power, right? Uh, they stay at Bellagio because of the foot traffic and the fact that like a whale might just wander in. Well, the win is the next best option when it comes to foot traffic, yeah, and you sure. don't have to compete with a private game that's trying to steal your your recreationals. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty it's, sure. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. It's it's definitely one of those things now when it comes to the... There's always been... It's always been known that the political side of uh, stepping over tape has been existent for the many years, but then also kind of trying to navigate that landscape is a completely different skill set than just playing poker. So if you're someone that wants to show up and gamble and give action, there's also hoops that you kind of have to jump through from the other side, which go not like unnoticed, but seem undervalued from like the gamesmanship standpoint, which in all honesty, kind of is a little bit short-sighted because there is a skill and a like ecosystem being able to be good and run these games and mm-hmm. have like cash on hand and have to do all those sort of hoop jumping activities where there's definitely some power in that. It's like finesse. Yeah, there's, and, it's a, yeah. it's definitely not easy. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't just start a game if you want to. Right, of course. Yeah, I think what's really changed for the worse uh, since like the days of JRB running the game in Ivy's room is the gap between the next biggest game running in the room so like when those guys in bobby's room are running 100 100 and the the op- open game to the public is like 10 20 40 or 20 40 80 they're effectively the same game right and now there's just um there, there's like really no barrier aside from the private versus public aspect of it and if you're a recreational player of course you want to go play the private one because it's going to be softer and bigger and you know whatever or there, there's just a million reasons to want to be in the private side of things when when you're running like three six twelve and the next biggest game is like call it 50 100 now there's two separate ecosystems and yes there's a lot of overlap but not so much so that they really compete with one another right like there's just going to be a lot of people who wander off the floor that are very comfortable to play 50 100 and lose 20 to 50k maybe even upwards to 100 they could never go buy into 3612 where the minimum buy-in now is what the maximum is that they're willing to lose right and i think that kept the ecosystem like very uh healthy and solid for a long period of time like for eight eight years uh that big game ran an aria that just priced pretty much everybody out and kept a very insulated ecosystem uh attached there and of course the pros that weren't in it were upset but they had their other options right like bellagio games would just go 
and get as big as like 100, 200, sometimes 200, 400. Um, and that's exactly how the Bobby's Room game was born. They they built it as an alternative to compete with with Jeremy. And there was almost no overlap at the time because uh, anybody who wanted to play super high nosebleeds would go to Aria and anybody who was comfortable playing like, you know, just entry level nosebleeds would go to Bellagio. Um, once the pandemic hit and, you know, a lot of things just changed in the ecosystem, those super high nosebleeds disappeared. And now everybody, it's kind of like what you see now at the mid stakes level. There's very little 1020 across the country because 510 just became uncapped. Like 510 just kind of became like the end point now and 2550 all but never runs. Uh, so it's like you kind of just have your beginner poker at 1325 and then you have like 510 plus which is just going to be some some world of like 510, 51020, sometimes 1020, uh but never really anything other than that. And then your high stakes which are just going to vary between like 50 100 up to like 200 400. And there isn't really any difference, right? So it's made the space a lot more competitive now that you add in the private aspect of it. I don't think the private element was all that big of a problem before because the public games were still pretty fucking big and pretty available. Yeah, that makes sense because now when it comes to somebody walking on the floor that plays 10, 20, 40, would definitely still probably for the most part, be interested in playing the 100-100 private game where Mm -hmm. these people that would play that wouldn't play the higher stakes JRB game. So now when they have that option to play, the barrier for regs is different when it's just like kind of money and versus skill set where now it's just who you know. Where if you're a reg and you've been trying to get into this Bobby's game for years, you're not going to get in. But if you're walking on the floor and have money to lose, you're getting a seat tomorrow. Come on right in. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it also, you know, breeds competition. All good things come to an end. There will be over, like, you'll just constantly see uh, these private games get overturned, right? Like, um, Keating has the ability to scale uh, because he has access to liquidity. He has, like, the wealthiest player pool. So, like, he can make that game keep getting bigger and bigger and create that barrier that we're talking about. Um, but at, like, the 100, 100, 100, 200 level, there's just going to, it's just going to continually overturn. There are going to be other people who see what Chris and Simon have done and they're going to try to replicate it and they're going to compete for the same player pool and they're going to offer better perks or different perks uh, at a different casino. And, you know, you're just going to keep seeing it pop up at resorts, at Wynn. Um, I mean, really only going to be those two, but you'll see it elsewhere like Florida and uh, L.A., you know, these other big markets. Yeah, there's definitely other places where uh, like private games are just kind of the main thing when it comes to high stakes and the people mm-hmm. that are connected are going to get to play and then the people that aren't uh, won't and the only way you will is if you like in some cases the only way you will is if you know someone that will play that high and like you mm-hmm. bring them yeah right? it's like give the network very or well or you're selling action to yeah or you're selling action to someone in the game like that runs the game or whatever but that's kind of always been known in the staple but now that the bigger Bellagio room game isn't running as much it makes it a little bit more interesting as to what's going to happen from that well i think stream games uh really change the landscape a bit too right Uh, i think more and more people are just being comfortable putting themselves on stream and the fact that it's a steady game that's always there and always available yeah sometimes it's like Uh, almost the only option or the easiest option to play yeah yeah and 
uh, people are getting less and less uh, particular, I guess, about lineups, right? Like they mm-hmm. just don't want to be, they just don't want to be in a scenario where like they feel like they can't win. But, you know, when you come out to LA, it's like every single recreational is just uh, somebody from Macau who claims to have gotten rich from crypto, but truthfully has been like grinding for the better part of 12 years. Yep. Like it's just like they sent like their, their, their sturdiest grinders on a ship and we're like, all right, we're going to deploy you guys to the West coast of the United States. Tell everyone that you're in crypto and you're a Chinese businessman. Mm -hmm. That's it. Just or your race car driver, you race know. Like, driver. Make up what, wait, make up whatever fucking story you want. Who who is the? Like, uh, the I'm, I'm forgetting the guy's name from last night. Who he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in between jobs right now. You're like, oh, so you're a professional poker oh, it was, player? It was Eshan. Yeah, Eshan. Like, yeah, Eshan. Come on. <laughs> like, just say it, man. It's yeah. so funny, like how how uh, afraid people are to admit that they play professionally. Like, yeah. I don't. I, I never went that route. Like, whenever I was welcomed into Ivy's room, uh, I knew that me getting to stay or not was going to be based upon uh, how I help facilitate action in the game. Right? Like, if money moved through me and I generated big pots, I knew that I had value right. to offer to the game. Yeah, it had yeah, nothing to do with labels. Right? Chin still won't wear a patch. <laughs> right yeah like like me saying uh oh i'm a professional isn't suddenly just going to turn into well get the fuck out of here it's like guys like you know you're not dumb you're all extremely wealthy for a reason you know i don't have a job of course i'm a professional <laughs> but you but you know at, at the end of the day i do things that you guys can look at and say like maybe that's pretty bad mm-hmm. and if that's the case then you're going to welcome me in there like that that's really all it comes down to. So I, I don't I don't understand the reason to try to skirt the labels. Like by Ishan saying that like, oh no, I'm actually an engineer by trade, uh, and I just picked up poker, you know, competitively recently or whatever. It's like you're not fooling anybody. Yeah, like, you're a computer scientist. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's like, it's just you like, see someone bet 3x pot, and you're like, all right, bro. Like, he's like, I'm a coder, and I just uh, I play poker on the side. Right, like it doesn't take a, it doesn't take a lot of knowledge to know that someone's good at the game, right? Mm-hmm. You see somebody check raise a hand that people might not check raise normally, right. and you just quote unquote pick it up. It's like, bro, we know that you look at a sim. Like yeah. it's a, it's okay. You're allowed to be good at the game. Mm-hmm. It's but it's the well, stigma you, of you we can were also about, you can about also be really good. a lot less. Yeah, we were talking about Stanley Choi a lot last night, and it's like uh, he's obviously recreational. He owns uh, DoorDash, but like he's fucking good, Tang. man. Or yeah, sorry, sorry, Stanley Tang. Uh, he's fucking good. He's mm-hmm. just good. It's like that's okay. Yeah, you're allowed to be good at poker. You know, it's like you're still gonna get invites, mm-hmm. and sure, he's gonna do better than like a two five grinder who uh, wears it on his sleeve that he's a slave to the sim. At the end of the day, it's like Stanley's very enjoyable to be around, and he's a very smart man who has a lot to offer just in social dynamics alone. So it's like if he's winning in the game, whatever. Like, you know, that's that's what it all boils down to at the end of the day is we're all there believing that we're better than the next person sitting next to us. Yeah. And it's yeah. like the only way to prove it is to play. Right. Anyone that plays high stakes poker as a hobby probably knows that in most situations there's going to be people that play in the game especially if it's like call it public or on stream that are inherently good at poker 
Yeah. Right? It's just, no one's dumb. No one just shows up and says, oh, yeah, no one else has played poker like me before. Right. That was no. just always the thing that I found to be insulting is that, like, these guys are billionaires for a reason, and we pander to them like they're idiots. Right. Like, like, these guys are so smart. Oh, oh okay, Joe. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean... I don't know, you know, ace king versus queen, classic flip. What are you gonna do? It's like, come on, man! Like, right. guy's right. running a fucking, you know, a Fortune five hundred company, yeah. and probably has the IQ of somewhere north of Einstein. Like, <laughs> right? Treat him like a human. Yeah, and, and then you hit him with like, you've been playing poker for ten years, and you say, yeah, I'm in real estate. It's like, okay, man. All right. I don't know. After that bomb pot, I might believe it. <laughs> Man, he went Crazy. for it. <laughs> if you play if you play poker and you care, just be like, yeah, I play poker and I care. The annoying part is when you're not fun to be around, and you mm, kind agreed. of make it your entire life, where it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to try to ego flex on you that this is actually an error and here's why, and that's like, well, well now it's just not fun. Yeah, I don't. This isn't fun for me anymore. I, I don't want to come play. here for this. Yeah, yeah. But if you can, you can wow. still be good at poker and be fun, right? <laughs> While we're uh, while we're on the the topic of errors, um, I want to bring something else up that was brought to my attention today, and it goes it coincides with what we've been talking about the last couple of days uh, with regard to like using solvers at the table and things of that sort. Uh, Odin, which is a lookup database very similar to GTO Wizard, uh, put out an email today that was shared with me saying that they have some big changes to be announced. You can now view solutions instantly without the 20-second delay. To celebrate this new feature, we're offering 66% off. Uh, I mean, I don't know what's worse, the fact that they are just like openly advertising RTA or that they're giving it to you for fucking free. Like, <laughs> you should be raising the price 66% if you're going to fucking let them use it in real time. Like, right. What's going on here? <laughs> All right, let's not make it a fucking ad for Odin here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, so so Roy Young sponsor. is Roy Young's the creator and founder of of Odin and uh you know I I've spoken to him very briefly years ago as they were about to launch to market and the first thing I brought up was uh you know this just sounds like it could be utilized for RTA. So this is pre GTO Wizard. I think Odin actually might have been first, first to market. Um and he was just kind of asking me uh my opinion about uh price points and you know uh what like you know gaps in the market that maybe he's overlooking and things of that nature and the first thing that i said whenever he described it to me is like this is rta like this mm -hmm. is just flat out rta and he's like no, no 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 like we took major major steps to ensure that it can't be used in real time uh you know game security is of the utmost importance to me all that other you know bells and whistles that you're supposed to say in order to market something like this uh without a delay i don't see how in any capacity this isn't just rta and i reached out to fedor to see if he was still attached to the project because i know that there was a bit of a falling out there maybe um and he hasn't replied to me but i would run very very far away if my name was attached to this because this i i mean Here's the thing, like if you're an online poker site and you're not immediately taking steps to uh, blocking uh, programs like Odin from being open while uh, people are gaming, then you're not offering uh, real-time integrity of the games, right? 
And I think that there may have been a GG tie to Odin, at least at one point, right? Didn't it turn into something else, Landon? Uh, I wanted to say Thanos. Wasn't there a, a derivative Prometheus? of this? That, yeah, that ultimately became Ask Fedor, right? Yeah. There is a, yeah, so, something like that. Yeah, Prometheus is like a, a derivative of this that um, GG incorporated, and it's like the Ask Fedor feature. But that's all post-hand. So as best I understand it, it's like a lookup tool or quiz tool uh, that you can utilize after the fact. Yeah, um, which is fine, obviously. Right, but Odin, which is a web-based, uh, web browser-based uh, tool with no delay here, seems like it would be undetectable unless GG is able to actually see the programs on your screen, which I believe the security allows them to do that. Um, but then couldn't the you just use way... a, a laptop or something, a, a different a different uh, device to use it? Yeah. You yeah. Can't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, there's, there'd be ways to get around it even if they did take steps. Yeah. And uh, I know Ruse has implemented a uh, lookup feature where you can uh, look at, you can look and see if like specific board textures have been searched uh, at the same timestamp as the hand played. And if yes, then I guess you could present that as evidence of uh, somebody RTAing. Um, but without this delay, it could potentially be so widespread. Because like at least with the delay, it required a lot of time bank, right? And for what it's worth, 20 seconds was arguably way too short. And yeah. I think everybody across the industry was up in arms that it was 20 seconds. Like they wanted it to be double that, maybe closer mm -hmm. to a minute. Uh, now they've basically just said like, fuck it. We can't compete with GTO Wizard. They're way bigger than us. So let's just go out and get everybody who wants to cheat, I guess. Like that's that's what this says to me as a consumer and an outside onlooker. Yeah, that, that's like, what I we just don't care. Too. There's no reason to I mean, I get like sure, twenty seconds, like people you know, we live in a world where everybody wants everything instantly. But like, yeah, th th this seems very clear that that they're targeting a certain audience. Or certain right humor. right like if you're talking about study uh you're talking about the difference between like let's say that they implemented a one minute delay which i think is quite reasonable mm -hmm. if if they implemented a one minute delay for me to run a sim it now takes me like four minutes maybe five once i enter the parameters right mm -hmm. uh if they implement no delay it takes me like 45 seconds to a minute Right. What the fuck is the difference? Yeah. I'm going to spend 30 or 40 minutes studying a spot. Like, what's the difference if it takes me three minutes to run it or zero? Like, we are coming from not that long ago when we would spend days, days running right. Sims on PO weeks. just to get one response. Yeah. Yeah. Weeks to run scripts. Yeah. Like, we're still in that world. You know what I mean? So it's like, I mean, I, I feel pretty terrible about bringing this up because it's almost an advert to uh, go out and get a product that will allow you to cheat and that's the last thing that i want to happen uh so i'm sure that this is gonna have uh it's gonna have some impact that i didn't want to have happen which is they're gonna get more sales out of it but uh long term what i want to see happen is all sites just ban people who have this running or um you know basically crack down pretty hard because this is precisely the exact same thing as playing live and having gto wizard in your in the palm of your hand in real time yeah yeah not much else to say about it right? and it, it, yeah see it, it does seem that like 
as technology gets like you know moves forward like things are going to get faster this is just this is like an 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 ever ongoing problem that we're going to have in the industry i'm just confused that like who's making this executive decision yeah right like if you're if you're running and managing a business and you're doing cost benefit analysis uh like you have to believe that somehow you get to capture more market share by reducing this delay to zero like if i, I don't know what the actual divide is i just know gto wizard's big if if let's say GTO Wizard has eighty percent of the market and Odin has twenty, and I again I'm I'm making these numbers up, but like let's just say that's the case, and the only thing differentiating between the two of them is, uh, you know, or, or, or let's say the most notable things differentiating between the two of them are, uh, the actual sims that are ran, so you know maybe there's a a preference from the user there, but the fact is the user will never know. The vast majority of the people using these will never know what the difference in accuracy is between the two. So that's off the table. Yeah. Now let's say it's user interface uh, and, and user experience. Okay, that would make the most sense because that's marketable. Uh, and that is going to, that, that's going to come from like instantaneous feedback, right? Like you open up the two products, you look at them. One of them is going to be more visually appealing. We assume the one that has the larger market share is probably better UI UX. Okay. So let's say that's the other thing. And let's say the final thing is annoyance of use, right? So the delay, I don't like that GTO wizard has a 30 second delay or whatever theirs is right. Uh, Odin's is 20. And, uh, you know, I don't like that either. What if one of them eliminates it? Do we suddenly think that the market flips? And now we capture 80% to their 20. Like people just start converting hand over fist. No, no fucking shot, no right? Way. Yeah. And this there, also just... sort of uh, forces, not necessarily forces the GTO wizard hand, but now almost makes it possible that wizard says, oh yeah, same thing here. No more time. They're like, well, they did it. So now we have to compete and now they'll do it. I, right. I'm not saying they will, but yeah, you're right. You're like, right. It, it opens the door for that right. for sure. Not or, great. Or, or another company to come in. You know, well, it's bad practice all around, honestly. It depends. It, that, it depends if it opens the door or not based off of how the operators respond. If sure. GG Stars Party set precedent, like mm -hmm. hard precedent, right. that we are going to police this very vigilantly. That becomes like and, a net negative for them to do it. Correct. And it just yeah. sucks, because, though. That just sucks. Like, why force their hand? Like you're you're you work in the poker community. Mm -hmm. That's that's really annoying. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, obviously, like as somebody who's in in the training space and understands how competitive it is, uh, as much as we'd love to believe it comes down to nuance, it doesn't. It's all fucking marketing. It's just that that's going to be true of any industry that you're in. The better and the more marketable you are, the the more of the market share you're going to capture. The better user index, the better, or, or sorry, the better user interface, the better user experience you offer, the more of the market you're going to capture, period. So it's like, uh, to me, I think it's it's uh, certainly missing the forest for the trees to hone in on something so sim like so silly as this and not actually go the other way. Not actually just like, if you want to make yourself more marketable, say that you're more secure. Mm -hmm. Say we here at Odin, uh, hold gaming integrity to the highest degree of importance. And for that reason, we've listened to your feedback and we're going to change the delay from 20 seconds to 45. 
that's making a much bigger statement in the vein of do business with us because we hold integrity higher than we hold bottom line. Yeah, there's a difference between that and smash and grab where you just remove delay. Right. Right, which is what this ultimately kind of feels like. Yeah, Um, I mean, I can... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, maybe I'm misconstruing what actually happened here, but I'm going off of their marketing email. So uh, if if you're not informing your consumer base beyond what I'm reading, then I don't really think I'm out of pocket here, assuming that what the email literally says is what's literally happening. Yeah, the email kind of reads as, hey, look, no delay. So if you want to have uh, quicker access to the Sims, you have them now. Uh, but what I can see being... A potential long-term positive is if people want to have these sort of things in place and they use Wizard or they use uh, Odin for this. When it comes to the gaming integrity and security standpoint from operating sites and they look through hand histories of, call it flagged or reported accounts because what we have been seeing as of recent is higher stakes players playing high stakes games saying, hey, this account seems a little bit funky and then they reach out and then security kind of does a sweep. Where if someone's mm-hmm. using this as a crutch and sweeping, there's going to be more... Like, the chance that they get banned or removed from the site as a whole mm-hmm. is going to be increased. Yeah. So short-term, it's going to be a problem. But long-term, maybe sort of allows for the cleanup of all of that stuff. But at the same time, people can just make new accounts. People can be smarter and more efficient about how they, quote-unquote, cheat, right? Because now, if you're looking at certain situations... Some spots are worth more EV to or not to. And then how can you make that decision of somebody cheating versus just being extremely studied? Yeah. It's tough, you know? Yeah. And to be clear, in, in some defense of Odin, I didn't realize this um, because I thought this was a discussion a long time ago, but I'm, I actually have Wizard open right now. And it's like a five second delay. Really? Is there any yeah. difference between Odin and Wizard? Like in their solves? Uh, uh, probably, but, um, you know, Dom would be able to speak more clearly on their, their level of accuracy. It's parameter based. Uh, they're both, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're both like, you know, probably within like 0. 0.5, 0. 0.25 accuracy. Yeah. So this is pretty wild. I, I had no idea that wizard also didn't have much of a buffer. It seems like it's like three to five seconds. Uh, this seems like a problem. I, I mean, I guess nobody cares because they think the Sims are so inaccurate that like using it in real time isn't a big deal. But to me, this just seems like a massive fucking problem. And one that uh, I would hope people are going to get a hold of very soon. We literally just banned two of the biggest names in all of poker because they had their own unique version of this mm-hmm. that was running in real time. Like, sure, you're not going to be able to do this over multiple tables, but you don't need to. You can just play one table bigger and just like, you know, play as perfect as the sim allows you to. And, you know, obviously uh, that results in like whatever inaccuracies are built into this system in and of itself. But, you know, it also opens the door to creating uh, other web-based programs that have more accurate sims that... yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the technology is just going to get better. It's going to get better. They're going to become more accurate. And like, and if we don't do something right now, then this is going to be even a bigger problem down the road. The Who part- the fuck would play online? Like, uh, imagine Ignition. <laughs> <laughs> right, Honestly, seriously. Like, imagine Ignition, which is an anonymous player pool. Who yes. the fuck is playing on these sites, man? Right. Where like, 
okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to the lookup feature, find out that they actually ran this board at real time. Where RTA and be using wizard or Odin. And I have to report seat nine player mm-hmm. X, Y, Z, because it's fucking anonymous anyway. Yeah. Right. Like the likelihood of that ever being policed is near zero. Right. Yeah. That's why we're kind of seeing the countdown to zero for the online environment kind of be the way it is. Who the fuck would play on apps? Oh my Who God. Who would play on apps yeah. where you're getting raked to death and can RTA and can collude and can like what? The, th- this wasn't what today's show was supposed to be about, but like <laughs> this is mind blowing to me. Yes, it is. I'm actually kind of, it's kind of wild that we haven't fig- like realized that there was no delay on um, GTO wizard. I, I mean, this is no slight against wizard, but I just think that, uh, you know, the majority of, of people who are, like well studied and pretty competitive aren't aren't using these lookup databases all that often. Yeah, but it's like still. It's well, kinda... what I'm saying is like, uh, I don't use it. How would I know? No, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you know what I mean, for what it's worth, it's not necessarily about the database or whatever. It's just about the ease of access and use of implementation. Because let's say somebody has Pio and they run a script for all the boards for all the stack depths and they can look it up in real time if they want to, right? That's mm-hmm. always been an option for X amount of years. But now that it's commercialized, it's very easy to get that access at your fingertips, mm-hmm. right? So it's always been a problem. It's just about how excessive and rampant is this problem and how does it get resolved? Yeah. Um, this this bothers me. I, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> He's it mad bothers now. me because... Well, it bothers me because of this there's there's such a, a separation from people who got into the game when it was more of a purist game versus now where it's much more uh, scientific and technical. And obviously the game was always the game, right? Like it's the evolution of understanding it better. And you can say the same thing about baseball and everything else. And, you know, as much as I love baseball, I'm not a purist when it comes to the game. Like if, if we can make things better, we should. Um there might be some things that like I don't like that they disappeared. Like I liked the neighborhood play. I think it was smart. Uh, and I like a little bit of subjectivity into the game. Um, but with all that being said, I think it gets a little bit ridiculous whenever the game's no longer about skills that you can curate as a human being and much more about like how well you can just follow a blueprint. Yeah. Right. Like if you're if you're no longer 20 tabling, which is a skill set in and of itself but instead you're just one tabling at 10x the stakes and using a database to make every single decision sure it's easy for the best players in the game to say like this isn't a problem like i understand jeremiah's point of view where he's like look online poker is still really fucking good and it's very profitable and i can make a lot of money at it it's like yeah you can cuz you're one of the fucking best <laughs> right like yeah you're fucking great at the game man you can outperform somebody using gto wizard and at least some of the, the the streets and the nodes. And like, you're not going to give much up even in the ones where you're not outperforming it, right? So like for you, yeah, this isn't much of a problem. But for the ecosystem as a whole, it's a huge fucking problem because not everyone in the game is Jeremiah. If everyone in the game was Jeremiah, the game would cease to exist. But everybody gets a hell of a lot closer to being Jeremiah if they're using a lookup tool, mm-hmm. yeah. right? If you're using a chess engine while you're playing, you don't become Magnus but you aren't fucking playing 800 chess anymore. Yeah. Like I could, you, I've never played chess in my life. I don't even know how the pieces move. And I could the- become, I could become above average if I'm just 
following <laughs> stockfish. Well, you actually become better than Magnus yeah. if you use the if you use the engine. You would. You'd be perfect. Yeah, the, and then uh, you get and then you get banned from yeah. the site because yeah. honestly, when it comes to the way the chess mm -hmm. software does for banning mm -hmm. accounts, is greater than by a massive percentage than right. like poker poker. Yeah, software, that's like all sure. the players that are like, you know, break, right around break even that aren't using this technology are not just going to get torched. They're just gonna get. They're just done. They're dead, and then they're out they're of the game think, for and, good. And think of how big of an uproar we made whenever uh, we we saw on the horizon that poker was becoming harder, and mm -hmm. Stars eliminated their Supernova Elite program. Yep, we weren't mad because they eliminated like this thing that we had some sort of emotional attachment to. We were mad because of how big of a percentage of the player pool was just rakeback players. Mm -hmm. They were losing small. Chasing Supernova Elite in order to make $100,000 in rakeback. Right. So, you know, they're net 50 to 80K winners when it's all said and done. They're losing a half a big blind per hundred playing small, medium stakes, whatever, right? We were mad because a big part of the pool that was surviving strictly off of having the game... Like, they were literally just keeping the games alive. They were just keeping the games running, right? It was... It was online's version of uh, shit regs or VIPs that you absolutely need in your ecosystem in order to allow both better and worse players to compete. And they took away their lifeline. They took away their lifeblood. And they said, no, this is sink or swim time. You either have to get better and start to beat the rake or die off. And what happened? Online poker got smaller. I mean, that's not exactly why, but there's a correlation there, mm -hmm. right? Now, all of a sudden, what we're saying is is the inverse. We're saying now the bar to break even is going way the fuck up. Because if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And if you're not able to replicate somebody who's cheating, then you're not going to be good enough. And you're just going to get swallowed up alive. Yeah, there's the very small percentage that can still sustain and thrive in the environment with the uh, called down bad RTA. And most are just going to get cannibalized. So... You're either going to have to be top X percent of the field in the player pool or cheating. Maybe this is why, uh, why live MTTs are growing so much. I mean, obviously, there's other reasons, but it's like it's maybe the safest uh, form of poker, right? You're not allowed to use your phones. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's all randomized where you sit, like all these things. Like it's, it's, it might be the fairest it is form of poker nobody thinks about that shit no they uh, just want to win a yeah, bunch of money they just want to come out and play man nobody i know but i'm just maybe uh, maybe they will start to think about that come on out come to the venetian <laughs> <laughs> with that being said the tortoise will be at the venetian in about an hour right <laughs> better be less than that shit oh, need to get there man. with 100 bigs <laughs> well I was going to talk bomb pots today, but uh, it seems as though we derailed a little bit yeah. into uh, maybe tomorrow. a more maybe a more important subject. But uh, did have a pretty big win yesterday. Ended yeah. up winning about 100K on stream. Lost a little bit back off stream. Uh, we did it. We booked that dub. Let's, Let's go, go, man. Oh. You, know what, you know what the thing is now? What? You got to follow it up with another dub. Mm, mm -hmm. Like, you know. Make it like it wasn't a one-off. Yeah, like you, you got to let them know. Like, this shit's not a one-off, mm -hmm. big. 
I mean, I won 2K the day before, you know? Yeah, it's true. You uh, did. So Huge win. This is back to back. I mean, you, you, you know, you're in fighting spirit. You're, you ready, know, you're ready to close out the fucking weekend warrior series. They say good things come in threes, Burke. It, it's not the weekend, is it? Mm -hmm. It's not. <laughs> Tomorrow, but we're close. This hand was pretty wild. Um, I ended up jamming River in a spot where Ace King gets there, uh, which only Ace King of Spades should really exist because I raised flop, but uh, all King Nine will be there because uh, a nine was a pair on the bottom on the flop, um, or it's very likely to be there, and all nine eight will for sure be there. So the river's a 10 up top. And I elected to jam, and I think the problem was I wasn't even necessarily jamming for value. I was trying to get a hand like, um, like Ace Jack to fold, which a is like just a pair yeah. of Jack. Yeah, something that's like beating me on the bottom, like a one pair hand that's beating me on the bottom mm -hmm. that is like a bad one pair up top and doesn't really want to call. And uh, I miraculously found a hand that was only drawing to one board and it was the board I had her dead on. Yeah. So very fortunate. Uh, like literally the 10 river is probably the most brutal river that the, the top can find outside of a spade. Yeah, I don't think I can ever jam a spade even though I have the queen of spades. Uh, it's just too likely that I'm... Oh, no, I definitely could jam a spade. So the 10 actually might be worse than a spade, right? Because uh, six, seven of spades doesn't exist, which would scoop me. Um, I would only really lose to, like, the nut flush. So it'd be really close. But even still, so, I probably just, like, would... I'd probably just check back and try to chop. Just win the bottom and lose the top. Uh, in any event, like, a 10 is probably, like, one of the worst river cards just due to the presence of 9-8 alone. Um, and it's really hard to get called by worse. So I need her to have like a set of sixes, a set of threes, turned set of jacks somehow, you know, something along those lines, uh, or jack 10 for top, uh, no, cause that would be nothing on the bottom, right? It would just be a pair. pair tens, yeah. I mean, yeah. Jack, jack 10 would be like a pretty crazy call. Well, she was um, open-ended, open-ended on the. No, no. Bottom. I mean, it would just be a crazy call on the river. Oh, right, right, right. But it's kind of the same as queen three. To be honest, I'm uh, trying to find the hand that doesn't chop here for in your perspective. I mean, like what you hand mean when you, I jam? Yes. Like when I she get, calls, what hand? Like I, I, I get scooped by ace king. I get scooped by nine. No, eight, no, no. I'm sorry. From the other. I'm looking from the other's perspective. Oh, for her. Of this. <laughs> she's, she's, she's only calling to chop. She has queen high on the bottom. Yeah. Like, um, she's only calling to chop and she loses to like just endless hands up top. Like she loses the queen ten, she loses the queen jack, which probably don't ever jam, but you know, maybe she loses the queens, she loses the sixes and threes. Uh, she loses to King Nine, Ace King, which I can have all those. Like I can bluff raise more than she can bet call. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like we we talked about it afterwards. She said she thought it was a mistake, and uh that's the nature of bomb pots. Like they're they're a bit of a mind fuck, especially double board. Like, imagine playing Imagine playing uh basically double board bomb pots are uh the equivalent of no limit eight or better, right? Uh yeah, except instead absolutely. of instead of it being Omaha, it's it, it's like no limit hold'em eight or better. Yeah. This is absolutely. kind of the equivalent of it, right? Because in a single board, you would just uh it, it doesn't work out as well because you don't get four cards, right? So like if you played two card uh no limit hold'em uh eight or better. It would just be a boring game because you'd still mostly just chase highs. Like lows would be, uh, lo lows could like almost never scoop, right? Um, 
and they, they just like wouldn't be worth as much. It's the four card aspect of Omaha that makes high low. So, so, uh, interesting. But if you do double board like that, now you basically double the, the combinations of the two cards that, that can be made. And it really does create an absolute mind fuck. There, there's one hand that I'll discuss, um, uh, a river spot that was like pretty tough, um, at the end of the night. Uh, we don't have to go deep into it, but I, I thought it was a fun hand. So, uh, I had ace 10 of clubs. And the board was king, king, eight, five uh, up top. And the bottom was ace, eight, ace, eight, uh, three, seven on the bottom with two clubs. And the flop had checked through. (laughs) I'm here. here. Yeah. Without visuals, it's tough. But basically, just know that uh, king, eight is the nuts up top. And there's also an eight on the bottom board. So, Mm -hmm. like, ace, eight. Ace eight would be top two on the bottom board, and there's also a nut flush draw available. Yeah. So there are two clubs. So I bet like half pot on the turn. Phil raises me. I bet one k. He makes it three k. Uh, and Ishan cold four bet or cold three bets minimum. So it goes one k, three k, five k. I think I have a pretty clear call here because I'm drawing to the nuts on one, and it's relatively cheap. So I call Phil calls. Uh, the river is um, another ace on the bottom, giving me trips. And it's a queen up top. And Ishan shoves for uh, like two and a half pots, which is a really good play if he has either board locked up because basically you just, that's the nature of if if pot limit Omaha 8 or better turned into no limit Omaha 8 or better, you would just absolutely fuck people that don't play two-way hands. Mm-hmm. And in this instance, I had a one-way hand, right? Uh, and I could potentially just get scooped if he got thin three betting a hand like ace king on the flop. So ultimately I tanked forever. I'm like, I lose to ace eight, although that probably doesn't three bet the flop, but Phil could have ace eight behind me. In which case, if I call, he's calling cause it's the nuts. And then I get scooped, uh, by each of them. They just chop up my money. Ultimately I end up folding and Phil had a hand that inherently seems like it was a layup to play it the way he played it. But I think that he should have played it very differently. Uh, he turned fives full up top. So king, king, eight, five. And he ultimately folded to Ishan's bet because now he just gets scooped by like king, queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, that's not true. He beats king, queen on the bottom. He only loses to king, eight. I'm really surprised he folded now that I think about it. Fear. Fear. Yeah. Yeah, actually... Uh, in real time, I was I was telling him he should have never raised the turn, which I still stand by because he basically has a bluff catcher since it's a one-way hand. But I don't think he ever loses. It would only be like pocket queens, which Ishan should never, ever have, or pocket eights. So there's one combo of pocket eights that he loses to. And then uh, he gets scooped by king eight, but you know, uh, he, he can't assume that hand's really out there all that often. Um. I, yeah, whatever. Anyway, I, I don't want to get too deep into the strategy of it, but I found it to be fascinating because uh, he has like a relatively nutted hand up top with the underboat. But the whole point is in bomb pots and double board bomb pots where you're playing a split pot game, if you can't scoop and your hand is actively being drawn against, you can't be aggressive. Right. So because he has the underboat and anyone with a king is never folding, he's now being actively drawn against on the board that he feels like he has locked up and he can never improve on the other one. So he can never win the whole pot and he can get sucked out on for 
for for the whole pot. So like you Virgil. just never really want to invest money. You just want to right. play bluff catching strategy. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and I was just a little sour because it ob- obviously ultimately fucked me. If he hadn't <laughs> raised the turn, then River would have played differently and I would have just won half the pot. But Eshawn had King 8. Imagine no so. limit, 8 or better, double board bomb pots. <laughs> well, that you don't have to... Oh, are you saying pot limit? Or sorry, yeah, Omaha or, rather? Oh Yeah, Omaha. So Omaha, like PLO, I mean, 8, they, double board bomb pots. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a mind fuck. Because now you're well, talking about high a, and low. You split both pots. So you're just like, you could split the pot four ways, really. No, you would just be a fool to ever chase a low. Like, uh, well, it, you never it, chase, it doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. You couldn't play double board. You need to have, uh, a, you you need to like, have a low, but that's you what I'm need saying. to be like chasing split, highs. You, you have a high and a low on each board. Right. You wouldn't, want to, you wouldn't ever want to play that game. Like, you would just never go low. Yeah. Because yeah. you're too, like, you could, like, almost never scoop. You would only right. go for single, um, dr- like, single... Like draws right, the, like high, the, the the lows would just get quartered out so often or yeah. eighthed out in that's this true, instance. Yeah. <laughs> that just like wouldn't be worth anything. Yeah, it's true. Um but uh like what we were saying it, it basically they, they basically do play uh double board bomb pop PLO in a very um no limit kind of way by capping it. So okay. like when you go to Texas, they'll just cap it at like 100 big blinds. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes no limit on the flop because if you flop equity, everybody's just all in. Right. Which is shitty. Yeah, I don't uh, like that. It takes like, a lot of strategy. Equity and just run it. It takes the fun away from it. Yeah. yeah. You gotta make, yeah. you want people to think about the river decision where they like drew one way the whole way. And now I think that's why no nuts. limit double board is like one of the more fascinating variants. Um because of the, it, it's similar to like uh, Deuce to Seven in the way that you can utilize blockers as uh, really, really critical jam spots. So, like, for instance, um, when Ishan jams the river, that's beautiful because what he knows is that uh, it's unlikely anybody has a nutted hand on the bottom because he blocks the eight. So, he knows no one has pocket eights for eights full, and he thinks it's pretty unlikely that they have ace eight for top full house. So what ultimately happens is he puts trips in a spot where they can't call and win half the pot. And now he wins his unfair share of, uh, of a scoop, right? But he's also in a scenario where he's free rolling against Helmuth who could potentially call off with the underboat. Yeah. And now he scoops the way that I did against Robbie, right? Where a one way hand, basically he puts all one way hands in the cage. Mm-hmm. This is why uh, you can't sim- get, too crazy with one way hands, right? Because it's like yeah, you're like, you're either getting half the pot or you're getting nothing. It's just it's literally Land. a bluff catcher. And I like, turned land in that. I taught land in that lesson the very first time uh, we played these in Texas. I wish you could see land. Oh my god, he's that eye roll that Landon just had right now. I wish the camera was. on I literally him. won the hand. He's fucking shaking right his, now. His 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 eyes literally went completely in the back of I his. I literally head. won the hand. I feel like there were sixes involved in this. <laughs> you won. He had sixes. I uh, made him fold. He fl- I won. He fl- he flopped the set on king nine six. Yeah. Uh, and then the bottom board was like king brick brick, like king deuce three or something like that. Um, and, or sorry, the, the bottom board was like uh, queen deuce three. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had let out with a king and ultimately folded. Um, but in the meantime, there was a guy between us. So I, I, ra- or I let out Landon either ripped or raised like really really big i raised because i jammed turn okay yeah, yeah. so he raised like he, he raised very big and this guy in between us like tanked for a long time 
and ultimately folded. And I just made a comment. I said, I don't know what that hand is, but I'd buy it. And Landon goes, go ahead, go ahead, take the fucking hand. <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, okay. And the guy slid me his hand and I look and he has queen 10 for a gut shot up top and top pair on the bottom. And I'm looking at the board like 10 different ways. I'm like, there's no hand he can have here that's scooping. Like if I make a jack up top, like I probably scoop. Yeah. And if I don't, I'm still probably winning the bottom. And honestly, like I was still very new to it too, because if I had thought about it longer, I also would have just called the turn to chop. Um, but it was like a big jam and I, I knew I was chopping it best, whatever. Uh, so the turn bricks out on both. I don't improve either. And he jams and I fold and he proudly shows sixes. <laughs> and I'm just like, you are literally getting free rolled, man. <laughs> like, uh, if, free. I my, <laughs> if I had played my hand correctly, you were getting free rolled. You couldn't win the bottom and I could, I could improve the top, but I, I, I made a mistake obviously. Uh, and he was just, he was so adamant that I'm an idiot. And like, this is what you're supposed to do when you have a one way hand and all this other stuff. And I'm like, all right, man. <laughs> like if I just had pocket Kings for top set up top and an overpair on the bottom, you're stone dead. You're just out. Yeah, but you wouldn't have that because he tanked for so long. Obviously Live he reads. wouldn't have Kings. Yeah. He couldn't have Kings, but like I could have led with Kings. Uh, double bomb pops are mind fuck, man. They're a lot of fucking fun They're I think they're hard for the audience to follow though. When it comes to stream games. It's yeah, like there's a lot of stuff going it's, on. It's too much. I mean, it's hard to play them, so like I can imagine what it's like to view them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I love them so much. I just I want think I just need to go down to the wind, play some five five double board, PLO bomb <laughs> yeah. pots. They're a good thing to get good at. Yeah, Lee Jones, thanks for the super chat. He said uh lodge cap double board bomb pots because the wrecks were getting absolutely destroyed. It, yeah. That that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean I understand why they did it. I just think that if you're gonna cap it. Uh, just do single board instead and take the cap off. Rex won't get nearly as destroyed. Single board's like very straightforward and easy to understand. Uh, you know, you make good hand, you put in money kind of thing. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> People want their action, man. We're here to give it to them. Right. We're here to give it to them. Um, all right. That's going to do it, I think. Uh, let's Let's wrap this thing up because I got to get down there and... Take all their money. We got, we got some big shit going on here. Tomorrow's yep. like a one-year anniversary. Yep. We got an awards show. Did you plan tomorrow's show? I haven't yet. Did I plan tomorrow's show? Yeah, yeah you have like all the, skit, all the skits and, and bits that we're doing. Like it's a one-year anniversary. You have everything planned, right? Uh, you know, I get to that at like 8 a.m. Tomorrow will be a normal show. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing 8 15 a.m. tomorrow morning you know i look roll over i say fuck it's 8 15 already and then i go okay. look through twitter you know stuff like that and oh, then, I, then I'm like, I, I thought we were i thought we were going to do like trivia and like a look back over the last year wow you know, a real a real nostalgic episode I, I thought you were on this conrad no nobody gave me a good idea to do this until 24 hours before my god I've been talking about this for two weeks. I've literally been talking about this for two weeks. Uh, you'll be back in studio tomorrow, Burke? I will be. Um, I think unless we play off stream, I'm going to fly back tonight, but I think the likelihood we play off stream is pretty high. So I'll probably fly back first thing in the morning. Sounds great. All right. But yeah, 
We'll see you guys tomorrow. A lot of things to talk about before we head into the weekend. Big show today. If you guys want to tune into Live at the Bike, it's going to be Johnny Vibes, Masato, Robbie Lou, myself, Hellmuth. Everybody's coming to the bike. I think even Kitty Kyle is going to be here. Kitty, Kitty, Cow, Kitty Cow is there. Kitty Cow. All right. Hopefully, Good luck, Bert. And you know what? Maybe I, I should dress nicer now that I know Kitty's here. Can we just talk about her refrigerator tomorrow? Handsome man. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, she told me I was too cute. Oh, God. All oh right, God. get me out of cut here. The, cut it get out. Get me out of here. Bye, guys. We'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> Peace.